15th Sunday in Ordinary Time Prayer Psalm chapter 65 You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide the people with grain. For so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty. Your work on tracks overflow with richness. The pasture of the wilderness overflow. The hills greet themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. Reading the Word First reading, Isaiah chapter 55 For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. Second reading, Romans chapter 8. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Gospel Matthew chapter 13 that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there, while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. 
Let anyone with ears listen. Then the disciples came and asked him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given, for to those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. The reason I speak to them in parables is that seeing they do not perceive, and hearing they do not listen, nor do they understand. With them indeed is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah that says, You will indeed listen, but never understand, and you will indeed look, but never perceive. But these people's heart has grown dull, and their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. Truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what was sown on the path. As for what was sown on rock ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the law of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. Hearing the word, growing through the word, an ongoing growth in faith has been a challenge for Christians of all ages. How can a person continue to grow in his or her knowledge of God and Christ and advance in the Christian way of life? The liturgy of the 15th Sunday contains a helpful suggestion. It is possible with and through God's word. Today's passage from Isaiah comes from the second part of the book, the so-called Second Isaiah, which contains the message of comfort for the Israelites enduring the Babylonian exile. They were promised the end of captivity and returned to their land. Hearing such promises, the exiles 
after nearly 40 years in foreign lands, might have doubted that they would ever come true. The short passage which we read today aims to reassure them that God's words and promises will not fail. To make this point, God uses a very simple comparison between water and its effect on nature and God's word and its effect on history. Chapter 55 begins with the invitation to the thirsting people. Come to the waters. Water, a precious resource in the semi-deserts of the Near East, is offered as a free gift, reflecting God's intent of securing life for his people. Just as the water brings life to the perished land and never fails to do so, so will God's promises be effective in restoring freedom to the exiles. They are to rely on the word of God, given through the prophet, as surely as one can rely on the falling rain to make seeds sprout from the earth. Rain and snow make the earth fruitful in order to provide sustenance for physical bodies. Equally, God's word coming down upon human beings nourishes their souls by giving hope and reassurance. The people of Isaiah's time needed nourishment for their hope of returning to the lost land. It was provided by the powerful guarantee that God's word will not fail and the promised return will happen. Indeed, we know from history that shortly thereafter, in 539 BC, freedom came and the Israelites were allowed to return to Judah. The entire chapter makes a powerful argument about the trustworthiness and reliability of God's word because he chose to make his everlasting covenant with his chosen ones. In the second reading, we continue to follow Paul's presentation on the new life through the gift of the Spirit. The indwelling of the Spirit makes the faithful God's children and makes them heirs to God's promises. Living in union with Christ, they look forward to being glorified, which means living eternal life in God's glory. At the same time, Paul fully realizes that the life of God's children on earth is permeated by suffering. Just as Christ suffered, so his followers, including Paul, experience tribulations and pains, which are an inevitable part of life in the here and now. Remarkably, Paul states that the entire creation, the animal world, and all else also suffers in this present condition. This fallen state of humanity and creation was caused by the human fall described in Genesis chapter 3. Its consequences continue to affect everything. But then Paul turns his attention to another aspect of life, the perspective of future glory and redemption of the body, which means resurrection and life eternal. When humanity will be thus restored, the entire creation will be renewed with it. Our passage, while acknowledging the current condition of corruption and pain, is permeated by vibrant hope for the future, the hope that provides strength and determination to confront the difficulties and suffering of the present age. What is that hope based on? Again, it is based on God's promises contained in his word. Paul discusses these promises extensively 
in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But their essence is most straightforwardly expressed in 1 John chapter 2. The promise he made you himself is eternal life. God's promises contained in his word not only give hope, but also make the faithful long for their fulfillment. This longing enlivens and motivates the faithful to continuously pursue growth and progress in their Christian life under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, who is also the guarantee of salvation yet to come. The Gospel passage begins Jesus' discourse in parables. The first parable called the parable of the sower, together with its explanation, is the most extensive and focuses on the word of God delivered by Jesus. Like Isaiah, the parable employs images from agriculture and nature to make the point. The sower Jesus sows the word of the kingdom. He brings God's word into the world, but the responses differ depending on the soil, which represents the human heart. The human heart can be hard like a path, and the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown, because the word was not understood. Or it can be like a rocky ground which produces a quick and spontaneous response which lasts only a moment because it has no root, or it can be sown among thorns, which represent the cares of the world and the lure of wealth that choke the word. These are the responses of those who hear the word but are either unable to accept it or quickly lose it by lack of serious application. The only soil that produces fruit is the heart of the one who hears the word and understands it. Here lies the core of the parable's message. The word is widely accessible, but it demands a response through hearing and understanding. Hearing represents the reception of the word with the due recognition of its importance while understanding represents a serious effort to comprehend its true meaning through reflection and study. Jesus explained the parable to the disciples, and when they understood it, they were called blessed. Indeed, serious acceptance and study of Jesus' word leads to a blessed life. Today's liturgy makes a powerful point regarding the role of God's word in Christian life. Isaiah, appealing to nature but referring to the actual history of Israel, stated that God's word is utterly reliable and trustworthy, and the promises contained therein never fail. Paul, discussing the current situation among believers, showed how the prospect of the future salvation revealed by God's word makes Christians long for the fulfillment of God's promises. This longing is like a fire within the heart, which makes believers search restlessly for ever new ways 
to practice their faith seriously. Jesus taught that one can be his disciple only through mindful acceptance of and serious effort at understanding God's word revealed through him. In sum, this path to continuous Christian growth lies in being animated by God's word because it reassures, arouses, longing and stimulates growth. The word of God is at the heart of authentic Christian life because using the words of the psalmist, through it God can visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. Listening to the Word of God A mentally ill patient on the streets of Accra gave me a profound teaching on the power of spoken words. This madman, in his tattered clothes, would often visit the parish where I lived. For some reason, I enjoyed listening to him. One day, he said to me, Put your hand close to your mouth and speak. I obeyed. He asked me, What do you feel? I responded, I feel the effect of my breath on my hand. He then said, Just as your words come with a breath, the word of God also comes with his spirit. I was stunned and elated to hear that from such an unlikely source. The message was clear. If the words of human beings can have an impact on a person, then certainly the ability of the word of God to bring about a change in the life of a person is guaranteed. There is an African proverb which says, A king does not need to shout for his words to be powerful. In other words, the fact of being a king makes his public declaration authoritative. When he issues a command, his attendants quickly go into action to bring to fruition what he has said. Similarly, the words of the Almighty God, the King of Kings, are not empty. He spoke words of salvation and deliverance to a distressed and broken people in exile in Babylon, and in due time, those words bore fruits and they were set free and could go back to their land. Indeed, the word of God does not return to him empty. It accomplishes that which the Lord purposes and succeeds in the thing for which it was sent. Jesus likens the word of God to a seed in the gospel text. By doing so, he communicates the central feature of the word. It carries its own principle of life. We cannot make the word of God alive. It is already alive. We can simply choose to accept this life or reject it. A seed is essentially an embryo in a protective cord, waiting in suspended animation until proper warmth, moisture, and sufficient time make germination possible. The power of a seed is often unnoticed by the eye until it takes root in the right place and at the right time. Herein lies human cooperation. The word of God comes freely 
but we have a responsibility to make the soil of our heart good. Our personal disposition is important. Come to think of it. We always hear the word of God at Mass and in other places, and yet the lives of many of us remain untransformed. One of the major reasons is that many of us are unable to hold on to the word for a long time. We often allow Satan to deceive us and rob us of the word, or in the face of trials we give up. In search of fruitfulness or what people sometimes refer to as breakthroughs, many people unfortunately embark on a wild goose chase. They search for fruits in their lives, whereas the soil of their heart is arid. They despise the word of God, but still hope to find happiness and experience tangible evidence of the presence of God in their lives. It is only when we are willing to hold on to the word wholeheartedly that we will bear fruits. The ability of the word of the Lord to make one bear fruits is exemplified in the seeds that fell on the good soil and brought forth grain some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. A king king does not need to shout for his words to be powerful. Action Self-examination As I look at my life today, I ask, how much difference has the word of God made in my life? Are there any fruits to show that the word of God has brought about a change in my personal world. Response to God In the course of this week, I will memorize a single verse from the scripture and use it for prayer throughout the day. Response to your world In many parts of our world today, there are many who are in search of miracles, but not the word of God that brings miracles. We need to propose to them anew the efficacy of the word of God. We may consider doing this by sharing our own personal testimonies of how the word of God has transformed us. Lord God, we come before you as an arid soil, thirsty for water. May your living word pour forth as rain into our hearts and cause the seed of holiness that was sown in our hearts at baptism to fructify. Amen.